sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, September 2nd. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. Some people call me the spitting statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority. And I got my main man live and direct every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern time. It's Kevin Walsh as we try to put the fun in functional sports content we're trying to give you everything you need, hopefully the information to make it a profitable day as well. And Kev, you know, we had game seven yesterday in the NBA. And I got to tell you, you know, I thought it was it was back and forth. There were some parts where it was sloppy, but all of a sudden defense is now back. What do you know in the playoffs as we move on, as things get tight? I asked you what the closing total was for this game. It was in the teens, right? This one finishes, though, 80 to 78. We also talked yesterday about the Donovan Mitchell and the Jamal Murray prop bet totals, right? Well, Donovan Mitchell finishes with 22. Jamal Murray finishes with 17. If you went just by the numbers instead of by the emotional narrative, you hit both of those unders. But this was a back and forth game. And, you know, Kev, Denver gets kind of their working margin. Um, Utah comes all the way back, which was very impressive, led by Donovan Mitchell's like otherworldly excitement leadership carrying them, but just too mm. much of Murray and Nokic at the end. I will also say I really liked at the end Murray and Mitchell, these two guys who have been competing against each other all the way back since they were kids. You know, it was Murray who got Mitchell up off the floor when he was in despair after the Connolly shot that was in the air as time expired and could have been a go-homer clanked out. Yeah, uh, Tory Craig is very, very lucky that that shot did not go in. Yeah, why don't they pull it out and get fouled there with seven seconds left? That's the right play. I don't know why they're pushing it. They had like a three-on-one, I know, but still. (laughs) And it's probably partly on Jamal Murray for not pulling the ball back out. What, What a wild game, a fitting game in terms of how tight it was, uh, not fitting in terms of the total. Oh, man, I ended up betting the over. What was I doing? Did you Uh, really? Well, Denver was up like 10 for a lot of it also, you know? So did you ever, like, come back on it live? What was the narrative like live? Because Denver was up big, right? Did you ever think, hey, there's some tasty plus money here? So for me, um, you know, you see it, and we were at the half, uh, and you could get 10 and a half for – the jazz and the game seven getting 10 and a half is enticing. Um, the way that they had been playing though, down, you know, 14 at the time, did you want to trust them? I, I was, um, already pretty frustrated at just the fact that the jazz had 36 points in the first half, which is how many points they scored in the first quarter of game number six. Um, but look, you know, that's kind of how the, the nature of, a game seven might go. What was really frustrating for me, and this is, you know, it's probably, you know, it's my own fault, but at the half, uh, the live total, I think it was 195 and a half. And mm. I said to people, I said, listen, if you've not played it, I'd play it under. I personally can't because I'm leaving myself a 20 point gap 
to be middled right. by the book since I already played it over. But look, it never got close. It never got close. It didn't. And I want to ask you something about this as we welcome in our radio audience around the country, including our newest friends on the Mightier 1090. Thanks for waking up early with us here on the early line. Kev, I want to ask you because part of me thinks this is natural. As we get into deeper and deeper into the playoffs, I think the games will get tighter. I think the games will have less of that up and down flow. I think we will see more half court offense and defense. That's part of the reason, to be quite honest, that I'm fading Milwaukee because I don't like their half court offense. If some of that transition stuff gets taken away from them. Do you think part of this is natural? I mean, I look at some of the totals on deck for today's game seven. And as we move on and they are naturally coming down, we're not seeing numbers in the two thirds anymore yeah i just think when it comes to a game seven it's going to be tighter the possessions will be slower uh less transition opportunities and also neither team really had their shooting shoes on uh the jazz who couldn't miss threes yeah. you know all, all series long shot 23 and a half percent and denver was a little bit better at 25.8 percent uh, so that was big as it pertains to the total when you talk about though individual performance here uh, i mean Nicole, this is the thing. Jamal Murray, obviously, is the story for Denver of this series. It is mm-hmm. still Jokic's team, though, isn't it? I mean, 30 points, 14 boards, four assists. He was spectacular. But the game-winning basket as well, um, yeah. it, he was tremendous. Jamal Murray stepped, out, uh, stepped up in big spots. And also, a credit to your boy, Michael Porter yeah, Jr. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. 10-9 uh, was, a, was a game high, a game high. Plus eight. Plus which eight. Is ridiculous yeah. that that was a high. Um, but in his 17 minutes of work, Michael Porter Jr., although the numbers weren't as flashy, maybe played his best game of the series. Yeah, absolutely. We obviously tip our cap to Donovan Mitchell as well, who in defeat had an incredible series and really is ascending as a star. You know, Doris a couple of times were like, yo, the NBA is in such great hands. And yesterday you saw young studs on display, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray. You saw some in the other game that we will talk about as well. When we come back, though, we got to talk about game two of Boston and Toronto. We got to preview the games on the horizon today we have another game seven and when we come back i also kev i want to ask you these nuggets are moving on how exactly do they match up in your opinion against the team that is waiting for them paul george Kawhi leonard the spark plug that is lou williams and the los angeles clippers we'll talk about that when we come back here on the early line SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, here on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, you know... I said we would talk about this next series because the the Nuggets are moving on, but the Jazz do deserve a little bit of a word here, right? They were up 3-1. We see what happened with Donovan Mitchell, and I got to tell you something. You know, there was rumors left and right about how Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, like, don't like each other and aren't cool after obviously the pandemic and what happened there. And Rudy Gobert is the impetus for a lot of this in the NBA. But if you were watching Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert last night, 
when they were making their run back, like late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, those guys are on the same page, in my opinion, Kev. And I don't know if going through the gauntlet together reaffirms their relationship or anything like that. And Conley being back, you can see that matters. This is another. I feel like we say this all the time, Kev. We said it when the Mavericks got bounced. We said it when the Grizzlies got bounced. We said it about optimism about the Phoenix Suns, for goodness sakes. This is another team in the Western Conference where the arrow is definitively pointing up. And they are not far away because of the core they have led by budding superstar spider mitchell i just i think to the conversations that were being had about this utah jazz team as we headed into the bubble um and i was someone who thought that this team would kind of be a pushover here they just didn't have the pieces and i didn't know if the tightness would be there uh in order for them to push through and they battled i mean look they were up three one on the two seed or the three seed rather like they yep. they they had it. They and they were up late in this game. They had a real chance to make you know put themselves into the Western Conference semis. And they got to watch Donovan Mitchell take the lead. And they got to see that fact that Rudy Gobert is important to this team. Now he needs to be a little bit more consistent, okay, because the gap in this game, even you saw, was good Rudy good Rudy Gobert, them getting blown out, or rather mm-hmm. bad Rudy Gobert, them getting blown out, good Rudy Gobert, them, you know, coming all the way back. They definitely could have used Bogdanovich in this series. And had he been there, that might have been enough to push this into Utah's favor. But there were also wonders about what would be the future for this team. Might Donovan Mitchell want to get away from Gobert? Might that then lead to the Jazz forcing Gobert out? I think that this is a group that is going to be staying together. I think that this is a group that's going to want to be together. And to specifically Donovan Mitchell, you see the heartbreak genuinely Mm -hmm. there as this team gets eliminated. He made a real leap, a true leap this postseason, but I'm not sure he is done ascending. I think this is a guy that makes a strong push for an all-NBA team next year. I couldn't be more impressed with what he offered uh, for us here in this series. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. Sometimes these young superstars on the ascent, when they have the scar of this, of this game seven, they go back and he's shooting 10,000 jumpers in the offseason. You know what I mean? To really kind of come back and steal himself even more. We saw it in things like, you know, the last dance with Jordan's experience. We heard, we thought that's the way Joel Embiid might come back after his game seven loss last year. But maybe Mitchell is thinking about that, you know, having that taste in his mouth for the offseason could be very interesting for the Utah Jazz but it is the Denver Nuggets who move on they will see the Clippers you know I mean you know there's a saying Kev you know it in UFC there's a saying in boxing style makes fight right how do you think these guys match up against each other Clippers and Nuggets you know I'm not asking you to handicap the series per se but like what Mm -hmm. is the one thing you'll be looking for right where it's like oh if you know the Clippers are doing this it's really troublesome if Denver's able to do x it's really troublesome what will be the leading indicator for you that you think is the big story in this series coming up how do they match up I think Gary Harris will matter a lot because it mm. felt like Gary Harris mattered a lot since he came back. And Mike Malone in the post game was like, it was great to have him back. You saw his impact and his offense will come around next series. And if that's true, that would be uh, a massive boost. I think, you know, how the Clippers, if they can respond to Nikola Jokic, will be a big deal. I think the biggest thing, though, will be this thir- uh, this Thursday matchup that we will get. 
If you guys saw on uh, the Scott Van Pelt show after the game, he was talking to Jamal Murray. And he's like, so what do you guys have mm. to do from now until Thursday to get ready? And Jamal Murray very genuinely was like, we play Thursday? He's like, don't we get two days off? <laughs> and SVP was like, no, I'm sorry. And he goes, and like genuinely, he was like, wow, that's a bummer. Like legit, like in the moment it was raw. Yeah. He was being sincere, legitimately like, wow, that's real tough. Now that's not to say that Denver's going to be a pushover. And in fact, I might come back around the other side if people just assume they're going to get ran out of the building, but they also mm-hmm. might get ran out of the building because they put forward a lot of energy in a game number seven. And yes, that is a quick turnaround to go see Kawhi and the boys. It sure is. And as we talked you know, today about the other game seven of, on the horizon today, the same thing will be at play, right? Where you have the resting Lakers kind of just waiting for whoever gets through. You had the resting Clippers waiting for whoever gets through. I do want to turn our attention uh, though, to the Eastern Conference, which is already, you know, in the next round. And this is a game two of the next round. And Kevin, the Celtics now have a two nothing lead after a 102 99 victory over the Toronto Raptors. And I hate to say I told you so, Kev, but we've talked about this in the series, you know, and you've said it in certain ways like, oh, I like the three top guys on Boston better than the top guys in Toronto. I've been saying, listen, I respect Toronto, but there will come a time where they need the dude that was Kawhi Leonard. And I think we saw that last night on some level, Kev, right? This game was back and forth. Boston had a margin. Toronto came back. It was tight. We knew it was going to be one of those games, right? Jason Tatum able to perform. Kemba Walker in the second half able to perform. Marcus Smart getting hot. And then it's like, well, who's that guy for Toronto that's able to do it? And listen, Siakam is a good player, most improved this year in All-Star, but I don't think he is at the level of what I'm talking about that a team needs. We all love Fred Van Fleet, but he can't go three for 12 from three-point land. Where is it going to come from in these clutch pressure situations from the Raptors. They didn't shoot the ball well in game one, and they didn't have enough when it mattered in game two, Kev. Let me just say, Dan, always feel free to rip a a nice uh, I told you so, especially if I can as well say I told you so. Let's let the people know (laughs) when we let them know. Uh, Now, look, yes, Pascal Siakam is closer to Jalen Brown than Jason Tatum. It's what it is. Sure. It's what it is, Okay. And Jason Tatum put that on his plate. And Kemba Walker's somewhere in between. (laughs) You know? Like, don't forget about Kemba there. You're not even, like, I don't even consider Jalen Brown their second option. I really don't. At clutch time, I want the ball in Kemba's hand. So that, I'm just saying, it even furthers your point. Marcus, it even furthers your point. Right. Like, there's options, and that's the key. Yep. Yeah. I mean, listen, Marcus Smart five threes in the fourth quarter. I mean, if I were, uh, you know, a Raptor player or fan or coach, I would have nightmares over what I just saw. Uh, now, he's gotten better as a three-point shooter throughout his career, but there is no way he's ever hit five threes in a quarter before. I refuse to believe that that's the thing that's ever happened here. Um, but that was the kind of performance that came and lifted up. Still some performances. Like, you know, Kemba Walker's 17 points on one of eight shooting from deep is not a banner game. Jalen Brown, 16 on right. 5 of 13, is not a banner game. They got an awesome Jason Tatum game, but Jason Tatum is going to have awesome games. The Toronto Raptors right now, in all of their meetings, 
have to be trying to figure out the where the answers lie offensively. They've not cracked a right. hundred. That's not good. You have you like you can't win a series by winning every game ninety nine to ninety seven. That's not going to happen in twenty twenty. It's just not. Now, can this team come back down from two zero? Yes, they did so to advance, as you will hear a lot of people tell you to get to the mm-hmm. NBA Finals last year. But they don't have the same team. And that's okay to say, okay, for any Raptors fans or any Raptors backers, it's okay to look at this and say, you know what's different? Kawhi Leonard's not here. Watch those games against the Mavericks and tell me that that's not a dude on another level, okay? They do miss a guy like that. Now, Nick Nurse is still, to me, one of the better coaches in the league. But right now, he has to figure out what they are doing wrong offensively because everything is coming up Celtics. And here's the thing, Kev, and we'll talk about this more. It may not even be that they're doing stuff wrong. It just may be that at this point, they don't have what's required. We'll talk about it more after the news update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, including our radio audience from around the country. Welcome to Sports Grid, Dane Martinez, and of course, my main man, Kevin Walsh. And Kev, you know, I want to explore this point because here's the thing. This is what we have been saying here on the early line for a while. And I want to make the difference. And, and on some level, it applies to Milwaukee, I believe, as well. But this is the case in every sport, Kev, once we get to the postseason. Right. In, for example, there are teams in Major League Baseball, right, that are regular season kind of teams. But in the playoffs, we you need the ace starting pitcher on the mound at some point. Right. In the NFL, it's all good. But in clutch situations and in the playoffs, you look to the quarterback to make plays and make it happen for you. In the NHL, in the regular season, it's all good. We see some guys that are great scorers. But then in the playoffs, it's about that hot goalie. Right. And in the same way, in the NBA, you can be awesome. But at some point, Kev, you need that closer. You need the guy who you could just give the ball to and be comfortable is going to get you a bucket and look at every team that is successful and even some that haven't gone this far right like utah has it in donovan mitchell we know portland has it in damian lillard and and others we know dallas has it with luca right all the teams that are left you know whether you are the combo in boston whether you're jimmy buckets for goodness sakes right Kawhi, lebron harden murray Whatever the case may be, you have that dude. And honestly, Kev, Siakam is good, but he's not that level. Lowry is, you know, a gritty floor general. That's not really his game. Fred Van Fleet is emerging to be a number one option. Cool. But his prop total is still at 18 and a half. They're relying, you know, OG Ananobi is their leading scorer. And and while that's fine and I respect the coaching, Nick Nurse, they're businessmen-like. I get all that. I just don't know that they have the final ingredient required to actually be the championship contender at this part of the playoffs. The NBA is a star-driven league, 
right? So yep. if I were to tell you, we've got seven teams that have advanced now to the semis, or leave the Rockets and the Thunder out of this. But if I were to sure. tell you to take those seven teams, and you rank the top 14 players by using the top two guys on each team, is right. there a world where the Raptors have players 13 and 14 on that list? Now, maybe that's a little bit of a slight, but I don't know if they've Well, the way you feel about Paul George guys. these days, maybe not, but well, yes. Yeah, no, listen, play, playoff P is options 50. <laughs> options 50. But no, it's, it's, it's a point well taken, right? And because, and that's what I'm talking about. You know, you need those stars at this point. And while Toronto has, you know, a great team, that's the missing element. They might be. I'm trying to go through it in my mind, right? Um, but they, they might be. I mean, and I know, and I know, I've obviously set you up there because I know you're mentally ranking everybody. Um, but yeah, and, and I would answer back if Oklahoma City gets in, maybe that would change yeah, the dynamic if they were the right. eighth. But other than that, no. I mean, who would you consider? Who would you have as the two for Miami? Bam. Okay. Went to the All Star game this mm-hmm. year, so like. No, 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 I you know. hear you, but I mean, I mean, yes, but, you know, a guy like Kyle Lowry well, is more decorated than Bam, but we're splitting is, hairs, but you're right. The point right, is right. they would be at the bottom of that elite talent, Batman and Robin, at this stage. And this is the thing. If we're going to take shots at Milwaukee for leaning too much on depth, well, then it applies to the Raptors as well, does it not? I, I mean, Serge Ibaka, mm-hmm. okay, right? You're going to get your minutes from him. But now mm-hmm. that that coveted depth, you look at this game. Serge Ibaka is the only one that gave him over 15 minutes off that bench. It was the starting. It was right. pretty much a six-man rotation. You had 13 yeah, Norman a Powell little bit minutes, of Powell. Yeah, usually will will play a little bit better than that. But you know, a, a lot of this stuff now getting condensed here, and it's understandable. This is what we're calling for Budenholzer to do. But it does then limit some of the strengths that people gave the Raptors the edge. If the edge was the depth, but you can't use the depth, then what good is it, right? right. Like that's yep. kind of what we're what we're talking about here when it comes to the Raptors. I'm not writing them off. I'm not telling you that this team is dead in the water, but the o- offensive concerns, as you were kind of saying, I think it's easy for someone to understand. When you need Fred Van Vliet to be your lead man and his prop total is 18 and a half, why it might be <laughs> yeah. difficult to rely on the offensive output. I know Pascal's point total is a little bit higher at 21 and a half, but, uh, you know, I mean, Fred Van Vliet seems to be the top guy, keeps, keeps taking all the shots. Yeah, I hear you. And, and to be quite honest, Kev, as we look at today's games, I, I feel like I can apply 90% of my same narrative here. The Bucks heat, if you want to know the truth, right? Like, it's not like there's I'm searching for the answer with Toronto because there's a couple of B-side guys. We know about Giannis. I get Giannis, right? But the way Miami is playing him, sinking back, forcing him to be a shooter, right? Getting back in the half-court set, having multiple fouls and bodies on him, 
It's almost like the question remains, who else is going to do that? Now, Middleton did it well in the first half of game one, right? Lopez has the ability, I guess, to do that. But think about what we're talking about here, right? We're on the other side. Jimmy Butler is saying, I ain't passing. I'm going to bring us home. Goran Dragic is doing a lot. And there's still more in the tank from these sharpshooters like Hero, like Robinson. And I actually think there's more in the tank for Kendrick Nunn as well. You know, I think the offensive firepower power is more there for Miami, especially if Spolstra and that heat defense can get set in the half court. Talk to me what you see in this game. The Bucks are again a five-point favorite. The total is up in the 220s at 220 and a half. What are you looking for in this one that might be different from game one? So we've got four games between these two teams. The first game was, I think, like the third game of the season. Jimmy Butler didn't play. Justice Winslow was like the lead man for Miami in the game. You want to toss that one out? Cool with me. Miami, though, did win that game in Milwaukee. The third game was a bubble game. No Butler, no Drogic. The Heat were up 17 at the half and then lost the game by 14. That real one was the other one in Miami when Giannis did squad douche. That's the one I look at. Correct. Right? So, 105-89. They scored 89 points. The Milwaukee Bucks against the Miami Heat, and they lost that game, and they lost that game pretty bad. So now we show up here. First quarter, 40 points. The Bucs look great. Won the quarter by 11. And then proceeded to lose the game by 11. Heat were 22 points better from the first quarter on. The Heat mm-hmm. held them to 23, 23, and 18. The real question for Milwaukee. Now, can they do a little bit better on, on Jimmy Butler? Yeah. Do I think that the Goran Dragic performance is some massive outlier? No, I do not. Do I think that you're going to have to hold your breath when it comes to every single Duncan Robinson possession? Yes, you do. And the Heat Mm -hmm. are a team that will and can bomb threes and hit them at an outrageous clip. And that game will come in this series. But really, it's Milwaukee's offense. I mean, this was an offense that was able to get you to the Mm -hmm. 20s. And I struggle with the confidence because Brooke Lopez all of a sudden disappeared. And Chris Middleton all of a sudden disappeared. And Giannis is, you know, it feels like he's in jail when it comes up against this Miami team. They throw so many guys at him that are such smart defenders that know what they're doing. They put him in foul trouble. So this is just, it's a tough, tough mountain for the Bucs to climb. And the one thing that you'll notice here, Dane, is the total down at 220 Mm -hmm. and a half. That number, uh, you know, has come down three and a half points from game number one. That number's down eight points from the game that they played in the bubble. And you'll notice here the Bucks team total of 112 and a half. Anybody confidently playing that number over? No, not these days. Not with what I just saw in game one and not how I know that I believe, and you know this, we have been saying this for a while. Miami is an especially bad matchup here for Milwaukee. You know I like Miami. Let me ask you this, though. I've been sort of in my mind making this analogy, making this comparison. Does it hold water for you in the Eastern Conference where Boston and Miami seem similar? 
on some level. Good team defense, a lot of bodies, and on offense, the threes, the dynamic punch can come from multiple places. Meanwhile, Toronto and Milwaukee seem to be great regular season teams, great regular season defenses, but as things slow down, as they usually do in the playoffs, and we see more half court, and there may be a way to defense Giannis, it seems like both Milwaukee and Toronto are going to have to find offensive punch, and they don't know exactly where it's coming from. I feel like Milwaukee and Toronto both have that narrative, while I feel like Boston and Miami both have the team defense and options offensively narrative. Does that make sense? Do you see both of these series kind of moving on somewhat parallel tracks? I understand what you're saying, right? Because this is the thing. The postseason sometimes, like the conversations can feel um, simplistic when these really should be the conversations that have the most depth to them. But a lot of times, if I were to say, who do you trust? It's understandable. It's a reason why I've picked the LeBron James team to win the title for probably 10 years in a row. (laughs) Because that's who I trust, right? And that's the case again this year. And, like, honestly, if people are, like, looking at this field, I mean, I don't know how many people are disagreeing. But (laughs) you look at Jimmy Butler. It's a guy you trust. You look at Jason Tatum becoming a guy you trust. You take a look at Fred Van Vliet. I would all do respect to those guys. We are not, you know, talking about off. And what's crazy, and this is the tough thing for Giannis, but it doesn't feel like he fits the description of a guy that's That's in the postseason, as of now, offensively, you can trust. He's going to have to do the same thing that a number of other guys in his place have done. Develop that outside shot because this is how teams are going to defense him and test him at this stage of the playoffs. He either needs a Robin or he needs to be more consistent out there. We'll talk about another Game 7 when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the early line where we put the fun and functional sports content. Dane Martinez and my main man, Kevin Walsh. Kev, you know, I think I'm going to call you like the candle because you're burning the candle at both ends or like (laughs) military time or AMPM or something like that. Because literally, literally five days a week, if it is 805 Kevin's on air. Okay. It could be 805 a.m. It could be 805 p.m. It does not matter. I'm going to call you like a broken clock. You know what I mean? It don't matter. Because if it's saying 830, tune in to the grid and you will get my man Kevin Walsh. He's doing it. He reacts to it all live on In Game Live. And then we are lucky enough. I am lucky enough to have this man as my co-host after he has broken it all down, followed it live to go ahead and report it to you all so that we can have it a profitable day tomorrow. And hopefully you enjoy the way we do it as we put the fun and functional sports content as well. Kev, another game seven on the horizon tonight. OKC in Houston. I got to tell you something. Yesterday we saw one point spreads. Right. In a game seven in what we thought was a close series with Boston, Toronto. 
That's not the case today. You know, I was a little bit surprised when we talked Bucks Heat that the spread was five for Milwaukee, but maybe that's my, you know, heat color glasses. Fine. Kev, this one is five and a half for mm. the Houston Rockets. Now, I know Brody is back and all that, but, you know, they didn't win game six. I was expecting this to be a little bit closer, like we saw in game seven out west yesterday. And to be quite honest, even an opportunity to get both sides live, like we talked about yesterday. Does this five and a half point spread surprise you at all? Or did you think this is what it was going to be coming out the gate? Um, I didn't think I, I thought it was going to be this because they really weren't going to move off of what they had done the whole time. But it really does bring okay. us back to what we were talking about, that the Thunder were two-and-a-half-point favorites in game one of this series. And we are now sat here in game seven. Westbrook's back. It's five-and-a-half. It's just the, the the numbers kind of got away from the book, and then it never came back to the middle. And it, it's, it's, it's very odd. The funny thing, though, is, Dane, that I don't think that number really matters. Unless it was like 12-and-a-half. I'm not sure it matters. Really? We've had six games. We've had six games. The close games, the Thunder win, because the Rockets seem to crumble. When the Rockets win, though, they ain't been close. It's not been close. So it's not what close. about the fact that there's overtime, though? I think that kind of, like, did the overtime game become, like, outside of six points? Because then I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. Well, that game, the the yeah, well, no, the Thunder went to overtime and won by 12, making it look as if like... Right, but I'm saying like that's not a 12-point game. You know, like that's a one-point right. game. Like that's so an that's overtime game, that's... game. That's a really close game. Right. right, so the Thunder won the close So you don't think the spread is going to matter. You don't think we're going to have a close game. You think we're going to have uh, someone no, planting the flag. That's not flag. what I'm saying. What I'm saying, oh, what what I'm you saying? saying is... Go ahead. What I'm saying is when... If the game is within five points from what we've seen, yeah. it means the Thunder win the game. Because Chris Paul closes... Harden and Westbrook don't. But if the Rockets win, from what we've seen, it's a blowout. Right. They're winning they go away. going away. That's what I that's what I'm saying. No, no. We've played close games. It's just that one team's won every single close game so far in this series. Which might be, you know, why people want to consider leaning here with, hmm. with CP3 and the boys. All right, fair enough. What well, we've been talking about as a narrative so far, a lot today. Kev, is the idea of, like, you're driven by your stars in this situation, right? Who is that dude? Okay, so I kind of know who those dudes are for Houston. I believe that OKC have guys that I'm okay with taking big shots in big spots. I believe that, right? Um, However, talk to me. Apply this now to the prop bet market. My man, apply mm. this. Like, who is that guy, in my opinion, specifically on the Thunder that you think is going to be that guy who pops up? You know, like, nominees for you, Kev. Danilo Gallinari, Dennis Schroeder, SGA, right? Like, one of these guys that's not named Chris Paul. I truly mm-hmm. believe SGA, Gallinari, right? Like, one of these guys is going to have to have that game to be Robin, no? Yes. Um, and if I had Who's to gonna be? roll with one of them, um, I, I might go with Schroeder. It just feels like he's going to have those opportunities to be out there um, with his 18 and a half. Um, if we're going to talk props, and by the way, I'm glad we're talking props because you and I are going to have to talk about this total and you're going to have to talk me out of doing something stupid, but it's probably going <laughs> to happen anyway. But if we're talking right, props, cool. then we, we, we do have to talk about what has been the most uh, – 
kindest that we've seen uh, prop to us is P.J. Tucker rebound numbers. Yeah! Um, I, I mean, listen, I, I know I'm making it's a true. lot here about a P.J. Tucker rebound prop, but yeah, look, this has now been going on here pretty consistently. Okay, back we go to back well. to game. We go back to game number three. He had eight boards. Then he had eleven boards. Then he had six in twenty-one minutes because he only played the first half and then got thrown out. And then in game six, he had eleven rebounds. He's going to play a truckload of minutes in this game as yeah. long as he's not thrown out. What world is he not going over six and a half? Now the number last time was six and a half plus one fourteen. So now we've got six and a half minus one hundred eight. So it would be inaccurate to me to say that the line hasn't moved. But I just don't think that the line ever should have only been six and a half. And it should have been a seven and a half or maybe even an eight and a half. Dane, listen, you know, tell me, am I walking into a trap here with this P.J. Tucker rebound prop? Because I don't think so. I don't think you are either. And quite frankly, when you have trends and streaks like that that are going, you stick with it, brother man, okay? The streak only gets broken once, but you can ride it multiple hmm. times. I'm reminded last year there was a stretch where I was betting the Devontae Parker over prop in the NFL like seven oh. weeks in a row. And it kept on yeah. hitting. Now, ultimately, did I lose? Yeah. But I went like six and one, and I just kept on riding the train. And you on this P.J. Tucker, you've been putting it out there uh, day in, day out, or game in, game out. I am actually okay with that. Um, talk to me about Lou Dort. Like, is he a thing? <laughs> Do you believe this? Like, in a game seven situation. Right. When we're talking about guys and we see what Murray and Mitchell and the spotlight is on Jimmy Butler going for 40 and all this. Like, isn't Harden going to take it to another level to the place where it doesn't really matter if like this nice story of the kid Dort is able to contain him a little bit. Do you think that that actually continues in game seven or does the beard find another gear? So, I mean, uh, you know, Harden is obviously going to go out there and do every single thing that he can to win this game. But Harden doesn't necessarily have this reputation for being, uh, you know, an all-world I guess that's true. postseason In the clutch of the postseason, But to yeah. be fair, like, you, you look at that series against the Warriors last year, um, it, you know, in that closeout game that they did end up losing, but still he had 35 points, 8 boards, 5 assists, and went 6 of 15 from deep. Um, that is a game that, you know, you look at and, and think, okay, maybe, uh, that could be the game. I even then go back further to the game seven against the Warriors. That was actually in the conference finals where he had 32, six and six. Now then he went two of 13 from deep. Like, I wish I could just get the Harden three point attempt prop. Uh, because <laughs> yeah, right? that, like, you know, you're getting, you're getting 10 of those. Um, which maybe will push people to just bet over made threes. Cause I, I, for, for things like this, sometimes it's about the attempts and you'll kind of live with the results. So like four and a half, even money. I think if you're just like, listen, I've got the attempts that I need, I'll, I'll play it over. I, I'm not mad at kind of that move because I really think he could shoot like close to 15 threes in this game. So yeah. I wouldn't be mad at, at, at taking a look there. Um, Lou Dortz also made three prop is a, a one and a half, which is pretty interesting. Well, I ain't uh, touching that his, one. I mean, what, but he had a masterful two of six game in his last go around. To be honest, you might want to try if, it under. I mean, 
That's fair. Maybe under, sure. But to be honest, now if you're looking at the made threes, because I think you're right. I think Houston, we know they've gone all in with their style, right? And yeah. so all in even more, I think. So you know about Harden, actually. If I had to tell you, you know, I'm looking at two other Rockets made threes where the over is plus money and the over is two and a half for both Eric Gordon and Robert Covington. I, if Houston wins, one, one if not both of these guys go over their three prop, in my opinion. For Covington, it's two and a half plus 106 to the over. For Gordon, it's two and a half plus 104 to the over. Do you agree with me that one of these guys also has to kind of have a representative game from three uh, to keep Houston on the whole efficient from three? And if so, which one of them would you have more trust in? It seems like trust is the word of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Covington has been uh, pretty solid from deep. He had four in his last game. Eric Gordon had a real, real bad uh, game six. Three of 12 from the field, one of six from deep, and only nine points. But I think we can really use, Dane, this three-point conversation to launch us into something that um, I, I need some advice. Oh, um, boy, that's I, what I'm here I, for. I, I am the stable I, genius. That is right. Now, I, I know, right? I have my, you know, I'm, I'm the basketball guy. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Right? But yesterday, I showed up to a game seven and slammed an over that didn't touch 160. So, you know what? Yeah. Here I am. I'm looking at the over under. It's 218. Dane, that is low. That is real low. I mean, the last game was 226 and a half. I mean, they they lopped off. I think game five was 228. I mean, they're lobbing off 10 points. Everybody, and I mean everybody, saw yesterday. And you know this. They saw that game go under. Everybody's betting the under today. I mean, you, you, I don't think you could pay people to bet the over today. Do we come back to the over today? I don't know, Kev. I don't know. <laughs> I believe, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer your question. Okay. Um, I believe it is a real thing, though, that things get tighter, especially in a game seven, especially in the playoffs, especially if it is close. If you want to back the dynamic offense, they may happen in this game. I might suggest, if you want to do an over, I might suggest the first half over. Because if anything, it might get even tighter close in the second half, right? Even more half court, even slower pace. Now, these two teams, I I, I know not to expect the slower pace, but if you're going to believe in like, Everything gets tighter in the playoffs, right? I think that even is exponentially true if we're sitting in a two-point game in the fourth quarter, okay? So if you want to go over, maybe the first half total of 111 is the way I would do it because unlike a lot of games where usually I say, oh, they feel each other out and then it opens up in the second half, this one could actually get tighter in the second half. If you're asking me that I must go one way or the other, that might be how I lean. But remember, Kev, you don't have to bet everything. You don't, but there is. But nothing. You don't have to bet everything, Kev. Okay, I agree with you. (laughs) Would you agree, though, that this total ends up on either direction by at least 10 points? Yes, the potential is there for this to be a Game 7 like we saw last night in the West, and the potential is there for the Houston Rockets to put up 135 the way they do when they shove all in with their scheme and approach yes kevin that is possible i'm just i'm just saying like and that's why i want to talk that's why about i'm not touching it there's and i get that but there is an edge here there is 
Mm-hmm. It's just trying to figure out which side that edge is actually on. Um, yeah, I have. A it's almost I like the saying on this total. All right, all right, let me know. It's almost like the saying: if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. It's like it's going to go ten points, <laughs> but I don't know which way. That means you don't actually have a bet. We turn our attention to football and the defending college football champions. When we come back, this is very interesting. Conferences coming back. We see games happening. There's also player decisions. We'll talk about that when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. The early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And Kev, College football. We talk about the NFL starting like in a week and a day. College football in some conferences are also starting. So I do want to update everybody on something that I want to keep an eye on. You know, Kevin, we were talking about the pandemic. We talked about like the federal government and the state government and the local government, then individual human decisions about risk, right? Well, we saw the NCAA talk and then we saw conferences talk. We know specific schools and universities are making, you know, policies and stands and positions. But individual players still have that opportunity as well. And in LSU, the defending national champions, there are some big names opting out. There's stud defensive tackle Tyler Shelvin, but also their number one wide receiver and a top five prospect for the draft, Jamar Chase, the number one wideout on most people's big boards who last year, Kev, with LSU, in 14 games, had 1,780 yards and 20 touchdowns, again, in 14 games. He's going to opt out. I don't blame him. He's already a top-five pick. It can only go down from here. What do you think about certain players deciding to opt out from the national champs? Yeah, look, I mean, Jamar Chase is probably already secure in a top-ten draft position. So yeah, why risk it, right? I mean, there are people who sometimes talk, you know they look at a guy like Jamar Chase and like, man, you know, how much does he actually have to even gain from this, you know, upcoming right. college football season? He's not the only big name that's opted out. Mika Parsons um, sure. of Penn State had opted out before the Big Ten decision was made. And I'll just bring this point up: um, the number one overall pick market that's available at the FanDuel Sportsbook sees Trevor Lawrence as a minus three hundred favorite. And I know you and I were talking a little bit off air about the market. What's really interesting is the three guys that would follow Fields, uh, Swell, and Trey Lance, none are slated to actually play college football. And that's probably a big part mm. of this gap that sits here between Lawrence and the rest of the field. Yeah, I think that is a good point. And honestly, you know, if it makes sense for Chase, where's the line, right? A lot of players who may have their fate already sealed in the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow may be like, eh. What do I have to gain? Something to watch as individual players make a decision. We'll talk about another former LSU player when we come back to Headline Hour 2. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 